This is not your century. This is Not Your Century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. November 7, 1917. In Petrograd, Russia, the October Revolution is going down. Maybe I should explain. You know Petrograd as St. Petersburg. That's also what it was known as from the early 1700s when Peter the Great built it to 1914. That's when World War I started and Tsar Nicholas II's government renamed the city to get rid of the German part of the name, Berg. Petrograd means the same thing, Peter's city. The Soviets named it Leningrad in 1924 after Vladimir Lenin died, and it went back to the original name in 1991 after the fall of the Soviet Union. Okay, so why the October Revolution if it happened on November 7th? Well, because it also happened on October 25th. That's what the calendar said in, uh, checks notes, Petrograd, when the Bolsheviks wrested power away from the provisional government. More on them in a second. The dates were different because Russia was one of the last countries to switch from the Julian calendar, Julian as in Julius Caesar, to the Gregorian calendar. That's the one we use now. The new calendar corrected for some astronomical errors that had built up in the old one, and as of 1917, it had the date 13 days later. The United States switched in 1752 when it was still part of the United Kingdom. So when the Bolsheviks were staging their revolution in Petrograd on October 25th, we were over here in the U.S. wishing each other a happy November 7th. Russia switched over a few months later. So what happened in November wasn't even the first Russian Revolution of 1917. That's why what they were overthrowing was the provisional government and not the imperial government of Tsar Nicholas II. The Tsar was overthrown in March. I'm afraid that's called the February Revolution. That one grew out of street protests over a disastrous economy, mismanagement of the war effort, World War I, remember, and the usual corruption and incompetence you find in any autocratic monarchy. The military forces, who in ordinary times would have protected the Tsar's government, were busy dying on the Eastern Front, so the 200-year-old Russian Empire went down without much of a fight. The forces who took power were more moderate than the more strictly Marxist Bolsheviks, led by Lenin, who returned from exile in Switzerland in April. Before he came back, the Bolshevik leaders, including a young Joseph Stalin, were open to working with the new provisional government, but Lenin put an end to that. A sort of dual government emerged between the provisional government and the Petrograd Soviet, a kind of a city council run by the Bolsheviks. The provisional government was mostly supported by the upper and middle classes. It pushed for personal freedoms and continuing the war. The Bolsheviks had the support of the working class, which included soldiers, and they pushed for workers' rights and withdrawal from the war, which they saw as an imperialist enterprise in killing peasants and draining the treasury. Things came to a head after Alexander Kerensky, the chairman of the provisional government, cracked down on opposition newspapers, literally smashing presses and arresting journalists. The Bolsheviks seized control of telegraph offices on November 7th, and on the 8th, backed by a blockade of destroyers manned by Bolshevik-friendly Marines, they stormed the Winter Palace, the government headquarters. This was a big moment in Soviet iconography the USSR's version of Washington crossing the Delaware. 
It was always portrayed as a major heroic battle, like in the most famous movie about it, Sergei Eisenstein's October, Ten Days That Shook the World, 1928. It wasn't really much, though. It was basically a mob pouring into the building and declaring that the government was deposed and the people inside the building either laying down their arms or switching sides. Kerensky, the government's leader, had skedaddled a few days before. He tried to round up some military support and set up an opposition government, but he wasn't able to do it. He lived in exile until his death in 1970, first in France and then in New York. The Soviets liked to actually say that blood ran in the streets, but hardly any blood was even shed. There was red stuff running through the streets, though. It was wine. The Bolshevik military leader didn't want his soldiers getting drunk, so he had them shoot all the bottles in the Winter Palace's extensive wine cellar. But don't worry, there was still plenty of blood left to be spilled. The Bolsheviks negotiated a peace treaty with Germany and its allies and pulled out of the World War. But they didn't consolidate power and establish the Soviet Union until 1922, after a civil war that killed more than 7 million people. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.